Spiritual Coaching Podcast. We're teaching spiritual coaches how to guide Christians into a full and fearless devotion to God. Welcome. The goal of the Spiritual Coaching Podcast is to encourage and equip those whose God-given mission is to provide spiritual direction to the Church of Jesus Christ. We're training warriors to fight for the human heart. Our spiritual coaching is driven by a singular belief that every wound in our heart that's left untouched by God will hinder how deeply we can know Him and how fully we can follow Him. Only healthy hearts are free to develop a relationship with God that outlasts the pressures of life and every unworthy claim for our loyalty and devotion. You have found the Two Rivers Spiritual Coaching Podcast. We're teaching spiritual coaches how to fight for and guide reluctant hearts into a full and fearless devotion to God. Hey, thanks for listening. In this episode, uh, I want to move beyond the revolutionary call, call I gave last time and take it deeper into what we mean when we talk about spiritual coaching. Uh, not the how just yet, but what exactly do we do during a coaching session? Are we simply listening and asking leading questions or counseling, teaching, correcting, encouraging? You know, what should people really expect? All right, let's get going. First of all, spiritual coaching is pastoral which implies that it is biblical. Uh, the first answer to the question, what will people experience, is that they'll experience um, what, what's called pastoral counseling. This means that it'll be based on the Bible and will direct people to God. The suggestions and solutions will come from God's Word. They'll not match up with the current cultural wisdom or contemporary therapy if that stuff disagrees with a traditional and biblical understanding of godliness and wisdom as opposed to the foolishness and wickedness of our culture. People requesting spiritual coaching should expect to be held to a biblical standard of holiness. The scripture informs our understanding and belief of what it means to faithfully follow God. This obviously means that we believe that God and his commands possess the solution to life's problems. Now, this is what puts the spiritual in spiritual coaching. Uh, I said that spiritual coaching is pastoral, which implies that it's biblical. So number two, spiritual coaching is biblical, which implies healing is involved. If people want help but don't want God, they should seek it from counselors who are Christians, as a pair to Christian counselors, um, or from more traditional forms of professional therapy. Um, what I mean by that is some people call themselves Christian counselors and they're really just counselors who are Christians. They don't necessarily use the Bible as their basis of truth and help. It's our belief that clinical practice can be very helpful at both understanding what makes us tick and helping us learn how to manage it and mitigate the damage. However, true healing, and that is freedom that leaves nothing to be minimized or managed, can only come from God. There's, there's a difference between managing our dysfunction and sin and being healed and set free from them. It's true that sometimes simply understanding, yeah, you know, what's going on, understanding that better, it does help us change. This is a gift that any good counselor can give. And it's also true that understanding and self-discipline also lead to swapping one less socially acceptable addiction for another that's more socially applauded, which is not really help or healing at all. So spiritual coaching is pastor, which implies it's biblical. If it's biblical, which implies healing, that means number three, spiritual coaching is healing. That implies that freedom I mentioned. 
What I mean by swapping one addiction for another is that we might trade in, you know, an addiction to sex or drugs or, or, or alcoholism or, or any other ism for that matter um, for more socially acceptable isms like workaholism, shopaholism, eataholism, craftaholism, outdooraholism, sportaholism, competaholism, adrenaholism, excess, exerciseaholism. There's a lot of them that you can stick in there. I think you get the picture. Some of those isms actually work after a fashion in our broken and, addiction, and addicted culture. Um, they get you ahead. They get you physically healthy or form relationships in the short run. Of course, they destroy other relationships and mask the real problem that we have nicely hidden and anesthetized under those supposedly helpful addictions. There are still addictions that are meant to numb the pain that we carry. You see, addiction, addictions are really the problem. I tell people that trying not to be pissed off pissed me off. <laughs> it was trying to cure the disease by medicating the symptoms. To help people picture what they're up against, um, to teach people that addictions, uh, I, I teach people that addictions are like those annoying idiot lights on the dashboard of your car. We used to call them idiot lights before that became politically incorrect. Uh, I'd say something very poetic like this. Anger is an idiot light on the dashboard of life. I was speaking autobiographically with, with one of the things that I used to struggle with a lot. Um, so those lights on the dashboard, they, they aren't the problem. Those lights are doing their job. Um, and that is what your addictions are like. Your addictions are this flashing, constant, annoying thing in your face <laughs> telling you, you've got a problem, dude. Um, as they numb our pain, Usually, the, the reason for the addiction, they are indicating that we need to pop the hood and find the real problem. Treating symptoms masks the true disease and allows it to continue to grow. When I went under, under the hood, so to speak, to find the source of my anger and fix it, the anger disappeared out of my life just like a dashboard light goes out when a mechanic fixes what's wrong under the hood. I dealt with it. I dealt with the unforgiveness. I dealt with the... Uh, um, the bitterness and resentment and the idiot light went out. Now, that might be an oversimplification, but a picture many can relate with nonetheless. Both mechanical and medical aspects of the, meta uh, of the mixed metaphor here helps people begin to get a grip on what's going on in their hearts. Uh, the mixed metaphor being talking about the light, the idiot light, and the symptoms on the medical side. Let me mix another metaphor into this metaphorical stew that I've already begun to brew here. <clears throat> the fix we offer will be, little, um, will be little more than biblical teaching. Do you want to put out your, uh, your anger, idiot light? Well, ask God in a soul mechanic or spiritual coach <laughs> to pop the hood of your heart and search out for the bitterness and the unforgiveness and the hatred and whatever else is underneath there. Once that's found, the spiritual coach helps you take your wound to God for healing. Uh, this means the coach will call for forgiveness, even if you have to forgive an enemy, as modeled by Jesus Christ. Then the coach will you know, ask you to confess, uh, repent and confess of your sin, full response to the one that hurt you or offended you. And God then gives freedom um, and the ability to retrain your instinctive, habitual, knee-jerk response that you have ingrained into your heart. 
The prison walls of anger come down because the crime that put you there has been justly dealt with and you are free. Free to go about life without anger. Anger being the, uh, uh, what I was just talking about in my own story. Now, um, uh, this is again a bit of an oversimplification. Uh, in due time, I'll explain our conviction that God will bring freedom over reoccurring sin. And I'll teach what the difference between freedom and maturity is. For now, let's put this metaphorical soup on the back burner and go back to what spiritual coaching is. Spiritual coaching is not treating symptoms or helping people manage and minimize the effect of the disease. All right, uh, we're going to pull out a new stew pot and cook up a different kind of soup other than the, what we were just doing. Um, and while we let the other one kind of simmer on that back burner, that, that stew that was talking about the whole uh, mechanical side and medical side of things, and um, um, I, I said the spiritual coaching is pastoral, biblical, healing, freedom. And I used that medical, um, mechanical, cooking illustration. So uh, I'm going to now talk about what goes into a coaching session. That's this new brew. What all goes into a session? Um, and I actually have seven items I'm going to explain that are frequently and usually mixed into uh, you know various brews that are just right for the need at hand. Uh, you know, every heart needs its own healing. There are these seven different ingredients available from which, um, as the Spirit of God leads, we stew together a one-off remedy for each unique person and pain. Uh, spiritual coaching or direction is far more than counseling. And these seven items are frequently and usually mixed together in these just various different ways um, that are just right for what is um, for the person that is sitting in front of us. So let's dig in. Uh, the first thing you would expect me to say is that what we do in spiritual coaching is actually counseling. Uh, counseling is primarily about fixing, or trying to fix what's something that's already broken. Uh, unfortunately, people rarely, if ever, go to counseling when life is humming along smoothly. Something has to go wrong and it is coupled with a belief that they cannot fix it on their own. Those two things together drive them to get some help. Uh, spiritual coaching certainly includes counseling. It is, regrettably, most often what brings people in. The dream is to make spiritual coaching such a common and positive thing that people will come in before things get ugly and broken in their life. Uh, when we do this counseling, we use some level of psychology that's necessary to understand the human condition in the normal ways of the human psyche. Um, we are integrated beings, so one's emotions and inner self directly affects their spiritual life and relationship with God. So counseling will have to be an ingredient. But number two, we also do mentoring. Mentoring is largely about modeling the right course to help prevent things from getting too broken. A mentor talks about life from a backwards-looking perspective, having been there and done that. That experienced vantage point helps a mentor wisely guide others so they both avoid their mistakes and make better, wiser decisions. <clears throat> they talk about people through life's difficulties they talk people through life's difficulties so that things do not become worse due to ill-advised choices. True, everyone has to learn for themselves, which means no mentor can prevent all unwise decisions. But I, I am not sure um, that would be wise anyway. Some things we can only learn the hard way through our own mistakes. Um, spiritual coaching has a mentoring quality to it, especially since, as I already said, 
It is designed to not just fix what's broken, but has a preventative aspect. Full-fledged mentoring is a bit more involved than this short explanation depicts. However, spiritual coaching moves into the mentoring realm from the idea that we learn that we learn and experience life so that we can help others avoid traps and choose what is best as they learn from our mistakes and our wins. Third is this idea of coaching that obviously is in spiritual coaching. Coaching is about helping people live into their full potential as Christ followers. You know, in sports, coaches spend time, you know, helping break bad habits, improving poor play. Uh, but coaches also help their athletes see um, a potential that they don't see. They get them to, to try what they would not on their own, say, by moving into a new position. A coach watches them and analyzes what they're doing and then suggests a way to do it better. Coaches also direct their players' character. Uh, competition can bring out the worst, but a coach steps in and tries to influence the coach so that it brings out the best in them. A coach is not as interested in a good coach <laughs> is not as interested in winning as they are in building skills and heart and character in those they coach. It's more about people than it is about beating the competition. Uh, if, you know, when when someone needs coaching, it's not necessarily about something that's broken, there just needs to be some tweaking, some encouraging, some courageous steps in a new direction or the development of selfless personality. This again is part of the proactive preventative side of spiritual coaching. Now, number four, you know, we're always going for healing. Healing involves turning open wounds into old scars. Uh, speaking of emotional healing, spiritual coaches help people see their wounds for what they are and then walk with them, leading them to God for the cure that he is ready to give them. Often they either do not even see their own wounds or they have misunderstood and misdiagnosed them. And even when they clearly see that they still have these fresh wounds, however old they may be, the way to healing is not always evident to them. If it was, they, they wouldn't need to come to us for coaching. Not all physical sickness is cured, but the great physician is ready to heal every soul-deep wound of the heart. The unhealed have open wounds that hurt even when they're unprovoked. Uh, healed people have scars that, are, that um, serve as encouragement, sensitive areas that they must watch, reminders of God's goodness. But those scars do not demand the constant and draining attention that that open wound does. They do not... Uh, uh, the scars, they, they don't have this life of their own. Uh, those scars are just the reminders that God has rescued us and, and of where we've been brought from, but they no longer dictate our life. Uh, as the subtitle of a very helpful book says, Emotional Healthy Spirituality, uh, the subtitle says, It's impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. That's by Pete Scazzaro. So healing is part of what we're going for as well. Um, in a spiritual coaching session, uh, a fifth thing that we're apt to do there is teaching. Teaching helps people continue to expand their knowledge and experience base. Um, conventional clinical therapy often is, is averse to you know, this direct instruction. Questions are used to guide people to their own conclusions instead. Spiritual coaching takes a more active and intentional approach to the truth. The goal is to work ourselves out of a job by telling them what they have, uh, what we have learned so they get better at living healthy and godly lives without us. 
We teach them to see potential issues that could limit growth or derail them altogether before it becomes a problem. Teaching gives people tools and truth that aids them in navigating a world that is antagonistic to the ways of Jesus. Often, the cure that is needed is nothing more or less than some pertinent biblical theology uh, or truth. We will not always come to helpful conclusions on our own, or it will take so much longer by ourselves that we continue to needlessly wound others while we're getting to the truth we need to get to. Sometimes we can protect people from all manner of evil and pain by directly teaching them. Akin to mentoring and coaching, instructional deposits equip people with knowledge that they have not had to learn themselves uh, by screwing up their lives or by attending many years of advanced and expensive education. Uh, also, we do this thing called admonishing. Number six is admonishing. Couples, uh, admonishing couples' truth with love to graciously and boldly bring needed illumination without cruelty or manipulation. We embrace the value of high grace and high truth. Uh, it brings, uh, admonishing brings kindness together with reality. You may not think of spiritual coaching in this way, but it is an important part of these elements. Often our job is to cast light into the darkness, truth into deception, reality into fantasy, clarity into confusion, and wisdom into madness. We lay out honest truth and difficult realities by saying the things that folks need to hear. Frequently, it's the stuff that others should but will not tell them. This was once called admonishing, to, to caution, advise, or counsel against something, to reprove or to scold, especially in a mild and good-willed manner, to urge, to duty, or to remind. That's from dictionary.com. Uh, so we lovingly tell the, the truth to protect people from whatever evil and darkness and lies that are, that are hidden so that they can stand and avoid it and so they can continue to pursue lasting transformation and the seventh element is just direction in fact sometimes i refer to spiritual coaching as spiritual direction which is a term an expression that's widely used uh spiritual direction uh or direction is connected with admonishing in that when we challenge people we invariably are calling or directing them to make a decision to choose what is right, godly, biblical, and true over what is wrong and ungodly and worldly and false. We also direct people to certain disciplines or practices like any good spiritual director or coach would. Spiritual disciplines or habits help keep their heart and mind locked in on God so that their relationship with Him keeps growing. Being a Christian is not just about cold duty and strict adherence to rules and regulations and best practices, not by a long shot. We assist people in using disciplines without idolizing them towards practice without law, toward habit and ritual without duty or spiritual pride. And we focus them on the proper goal, which is not perfecting a discipline, but it is relationship with God. As I said, every heart needs its own healing and every situation and season in life needs its own remedy. At times, uh, an interaction between spiritual coach and the coach will focus entirely on one part of this multifaceted practice, this this stew or this brew that I just laid out in seven different points or, or ingredients. At other times, all seven of these parts may show up in a single coaching conversation. 
for the spiritual coach, our prayer is that the brew that we serve up is directed by the Spirit of God and not just our past experience or our logic that in devoid of God's leading. It would be hard to have missed the emphasis on being as preventative in our coaching as we are reparative. We want to make spiritual coaching or spiritual direction a household idea around the Church of Jesus Christ. We want it to be something everyone has experience with. We want it to make it something that is a natural and normal part of the Christian's growth process. Why? Because we want to make the passionate, intentional, proactive suit of a relationship with God the highest priority of every Christ follower's daily life. Yes, we want to make the passionate, intentional, proactive pursuit of a relationship with God the highest priority of every Christ follower's daily life. The main reason uh, we are saved is not so we can stop sinning, as important as that is. We are saved from our distance from God, created by sin, removed by Jesus' payment for our sin, to be restored to friendship with God. That essential relationship, like a marriage, needs coaching. Uh, here's just a little another way, as I close out, to look at what spiritual coaches do. It begins with a, a teaching that I can't remember where it came from, and, and I've expanded on it. Um, so, spiritual coaches instruct the spiritually illiterate, those who are uninformed, untrained, unschooled, untaught, unmodeled. Spiritual coaches unsettle the spiritually complacent, those who are satisfied, content, comfortable, stuck, self-righteous. Spiritual coaches warn the spiritually wayward, those who are independent, rebellious, wandering, controlling, and unbelieving. Spiritual coaches focus the spiritually confused, those who are perplexed, frustrated, um, defeated, discouraged, unsatisfied, and hopeless. Spiritual coaches inspire the spiritually tired, those who are worn out, beaten up, betrayed, wounded, rejected, and burned out. And spiritual coaches actually prophesy to the spiritually listening. Those who are open, needy, attentive, waiting, hungry, thirsty, and tuned in. Hey, a big thank out, a thank you goes out to all who are listening. If this episode or podcast has been helpful to you, you can help us by getting the word out, by taking the time to like us on whatever streaming app you're using, um, and by sharing the link to our podcast or to maybe even a specific episode with someone that you think might benefit from it. Next time on the Two Rivers Spiritual Coaching Podcast, we'll discuss the use and importance of homework in the coaching process. Thank you. We're honored that you've taken the time to give us a listen as we teach spiritual coaches how to guide Christians into a full and fearless devotion to God. If you'd like to contact Pastor Kara to ask a question, give feedback, or sign up for coaching, you have two options. First, you can visit our coaching website by going to tworivers.church backslash lifecoaching. Be sure to hyphenate life coaching. When there, just click the button in the blue banner. On that page, you'll also find free tools to use in your spiritual coaching practice. Additionally, you will find a link to a blog where you can get a transcript of today's show, filled with Bible references and other content not mentioned on the podcast. Second, you can email Pastor Carrie directly at carrie at tworivers.church. That's Carrie, K-E-R-R-Y, at 2-T-W-O, rivers.church. If this content was helpful, please jump over to iTunes and SoundCloud. Search for the Spiritual Coaching Podcast and give us a like and share the podcast so that more people like yourself can find us. Again, thank you, and we hope to see you on our next episode of the Spiritual Coaching Podcast. Mm-hmm.